Hello, and welcome back to Building Wealth on the Go, a podcast by KLT Wealth Management. Today is December 19th, 2022, and we are back with Season 3, Episode 15 of the podcast. It's the final episode of Season 3 and our final episode of 2022. I'm your host, Brad Wilson, joined by my colleagues, Joe Filiomeni and Courtney Beach. Uh, today's episode, we are going to take a look back at uh, the year that was 2022 uh, and kind of assess how things went from an economic and market standpoint. And we'll uh, dive a little bit into uh, what sort of we can expect into 2023. Um, it was a bit of a crazy year, and believe it or not, <laughs> it I, badly, Brad. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess the state the obvious here, right? It was a bit of a crazy year, um, but like I'd completely forgotten at this point that like last Christmas was the huge Omicron shutdown, right? And into January. And I like, like Christmas was canceled last year. And I completely forgot about that at this point. It so, almost so seems far. like a distant memory, COVID and the Omicron and stuff. But yeah, it was only at the beginning of, uh, of this year. Yeah. And still we're dealing with that, uh, you know, in, in, in full force. Oh yeah, it was it was something something like that you feel was four or five years ago. I think we've been in this sort of trance now for a while, but um, you know, also at, in the beginning of January when we look back um, with that shutdown, the, the COVID effects were still really really strenuous on the economy. There was still job loss back in January because of the shutdowns. Businesses weren't allowed to open. It was like you know there's lots of restrictions in place, and so that definitely had an effect. And there were some indications that we'd get better from that, which, you know, I think in hindsight, we have gotten to a better point. But, um, you know, one of the big focuses was getting uh, the interest rates back up to sort of a normal level. And back then, the Bank of Canada said, well, by the end of the year, we're going to hike the interest rates up to one and a half percent of the, uh, you know, at the benchmark rate, which they were at about 0.25, a quarter percent. And we know now in hindsight that that's not what happened. And and their tune sort of changed as the years went on. And then, you know, from January, we, we got out of that sort of lockdown and right into um, February, where we got all those unemployment numbers from, from January. And then we were also hit with uh, the Russia-Ukraine um, uh, war that started, right? When Russia invaded Ukraine. So a lot sort of happened globally from that standpoint to start off the year, which really started that downward trend that we saw in the markets and lots of fears, pressures. We had the COVID, we had the uncertainty in Europe. So lots of just negative news, downward pressures, potential hiking of interest rates. Um, so that all started to focus as we began this year. And then into March is when the Bank of Canada actually raised their first interest rate hike of 2022 from half a percent to, or from 0.25 to half a percent. And they increased their expectation that um, they would raise rates to 2.25% come end of year um, at the end of March. So all of that happened in the first quarter, which kind of led us into the sort of tumultuous year that we, we had there. Yeah, but I don't think the Bank of Canada really anticipated people's need to get back out there and start consuming stuff again. Like people for like, what, two years now? At that point, it had been, yeah, we had Amazon and we're getting deliveries at home, but everyone wanted to get out there and do stuff and go shopping. And now that they had the opportunity, they took advantage of it. And the, the retailers took advantage of 
the increased customers and hike up their prices pretty quick. Yeah, absolutely right there, Courtney. I, I know we uh, we traveled in March of this year, and uh, you know the planes were full, the airports were jam packed. They had issues with travels with so many travelers. So, I think you're absolutely right. Is that um, uh, the central banks didn't anticipate that, regardless COVID, no COVID, Omicron, no Omicron. Uh, people are going to go out and consume, and they did, and supplies were limited. Um, so what happens? Prices go up, and which then puts the pressure on that inflationary factor. I, I want to mention to the listeners, too, is um, sometimes um, the central banks don't even have to increase interest rates for the markets to react. And this happened back in 2018, where in October, November, they were signaling that they were going to increase interest rates in the following year, in 2019. And uh, markets sold off miserably during Christmas. It was a terrible, terrible uh, uh, market um, at the end of 2018. And then in 2019, they actually didn't increase interest rates and then the market soared again. So sometimes it's just the anticipation. And I think, Brad, you hit it. Uh, the nail on the head was the uncertainty. When there's yeah. uncertainty, the market doesn't like uncertainty and then tends to sell off. Well, yeah, because it's it's people who are buying and selling and people are emotional as much as you want to be. <laughs> Otherwise, people are emotional. So they, you know, buy or sell based on how they're feeling at that day. Yeah. yeah, take a look at some, let's take a look at some actual sectors. One, you know, for sure we have to look at is the tech sector. <laughs> oh my gosh, like from like highs, like I think if anything that sold off the most, I don't know if any, any of you guys got Well, it's, it's actually funny, it did sell off, but it has rebounded a little bit more. So the, so the three hardest hit industries, which were all around the same, were the information technologies, your tech sector, your consumer um, uh, discretionary and your um, communication. So telecommunications, right? So your communication services, internet and cell and phone service providers. So those sold off the most anywhere from 27 to 33% year to date now. And we're not at the lows, right? We got to remember the lows were back in June and some tested lows back in uh, October. So they were down even more than that, right? So into the 40% range for a lot of these tech companies. And, and, you know, we saw a lot of people ride the highs of your Pelotons, your Zooms, everything in 2021. And what happened in 2022? Well, they dropped 90% their stocks yeah. because everybody realized that that was a short-term, uh, you know, influx into the market of a need that was a temporary need that was being fixed. And sure, they served or they're serving longer term solution, solving longer term solutions, but it's not at that level that it was. Yeah. And there's really nowhere to hide in the tech sector. Everything across the board is down. It doesn't matter if you're in robotics and in fintech, internet communications, all down. It's just a matter of what degree is down. And as a result, a lot of the companies have laid off employees. We've seen hundreds of companies. I think there's over, the last stat I saw was over 150,000 employees have been laid off as a result. 
But that lends to the theory, uh, you know, the ongoing theory for the last few years is that the tech sector, the valuations were just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And I think like, you know, we talk about bubbles, for example, in, in 99, 2000, there was the tech bubble at that point in time. And a lot of people were saying, well, this, this was another bubble ultimately happening. It, is, it was different back then. We were, it was more on the internet companies. And it was basically, you know, buying into thin air. Ultimately, I think these techs, the tech sector now is is totally different. It's ingrained now in our DNA that we need to have technology. Uh, gosh, the power goes out, you know, and we don't know what to do with each other. Like that's, <laughs> that's the way it is. You can't check your cell phone. You can't even watch your TV. You can't do anything. Like it just there's there's no communications at all. So yeah. so it's it was a different thing, but certainly you know uh, I think what we're seeing now is as as Brad as you say a little bit of recovery is the acknowledgement that you know tech is here to stay. We're not mm -hmm. we're not going back into the Stone Age. Yeah. And I think it's important to note, and this kind of ties back into what we were talking about with the economy, is why do interest rate hikes matter so much? Why does mm -hmm. that impact the market, right? And it's because a lot of these companies, and I'll focus in on the tech companies, borrow a lot of money to grow their company. And by when they're borrowing money and the money's cheap, like it was in 2020, 2021, for them, it's cheap money and they can grow quick. So their valuations skyrocket because they're not paying a lot in, in interest to, on their loans and they're making a lot of money. What happens this year is there's all the fear that that money that they borrowed that's sitting on their books is going to cost them three, four, five, six times what it was last year. Okay. And not as many people are using it. That causes a lot of fear surrounding that industry, right? Okay. And then you couple that with, as you mentioned before, Joe, the inflation right, which when we get into sort of April of last year was hitting that six to set 6.8, almost 7%. And that's when people started to realize, hey, we're at the end of the first quarter, we're into the Q2 now, and inflation's at seven, almost 7%. Mm -hmm. And that was a big concern to, to everyone. And, you know, you were even starting to see a ramp up in, in energy, right, the cost of oil, we started to see, you know, a lot of that might have been driven somewhat by the the Russia Ukraine crisis there, um, because Russia was a major supplier and is a major supplier of oil uh, to many places across the world, especially Europe, right? So the fact is that had a big impact on the economy through April, May, and June, and it still does now. I mean, gas prices have kind of settled down, oil prices have settling a little bit, but you look at that run up we had um, in towards the summer months was was one of the drivers of inflation and really is what I think geared the Bank of Canada to really start hiking rates come the summertime. And there is the argument too that the Bank of Canada should have done this years ago, right? And and you talk to a lot of analysts and 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 we had, you know, um Josh Brown, our portfolio manager, and and Larry Berman as well on on the podcast earlier this year. And and they all talked about like, you know, uh interest rates, you know, should have been hiked a little bit higher. We should it, it's they've been down way too low for too long. And, and it's really caused this um, inflationary pressure. But I think that, that that demand comes back in it because I think come summertime, people were traveling like crazy 
and 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 consuming and stuff. But honestly, I I didn't put my premium gas in the car because it wasn't <laughs> expensive. So I use the regular, and I continue to use the regular. But uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 definitely you know in that rise in that oil oil price, which is what saw inflation get over seven percent in May, you know, and continue that. That's when the Bank of Canada started hiking rates at half a percent instead of a quarter because they realized that they needed to catch up, which is not what you want to see out of your central bank is a catch up, right? Because that's a bit of a shock to the system, which is where we kind of saw that low tested in the markets back in June, right? And so um, that impacted inflation. And because of that, you know, going back to sort of our numbers, oil and energy as a sector is the actual only positive sector across all sectors in uh, that you can invest in um, this year, year to date. Which is great news for Canada, which is great news for Canada, because that's one of our biggest assets here. Yeah. So if you were to look at, you know, comparing different investment vehicles and if you had Canadian focus ones, they likely performed better than sort of your global or your U.S. Uh, investment just because there is a large um, uh, reliance on on the energy sector. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think we talked about this mostly through the year and, and Courtney, you reaffirmed it again is that there was really no place to hide because you're, even bonds, for example, yes. typically have been sort of that safe haven. Bonds usually are uh, negatively correlated to the stocks and they haven't been. They haven't been for, for a few years and all of a sudden we've getting bond valuations go down because of course interest rates are going up. When interest rates go up, bond values go down. And so then that doesn't help the situation in your portfolio as well. Yeah, Canadian bonds are down around 8% and American ones are down 9%. So even if you're being conservative and staying out of equities, I mean, that's a big downturn for somebody who's conservative. So they're buying into bonds. Yeah. And do you want to like, and now the plus side of that is uh, GIC rates went up. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> so all of a sudden you're getting calls. Hey, we they got GIC rates and stuff, yeah. which, you know, definitely, you know, um, interesting that they are, but they're, they're not, they are locked in. Right. And so that's something to, to always sort of consider. And, um, and the question is, it, it depends on yourself and, and, yeah. and risk tolerance. And that's, that's what you have to assess. Well, the one thing to consider something that you had mentioned earlier, Joe, is that PE ratios have dropped significantly over the year. And so that means there could be some opportunities out there. So if you are in something that's locked in, you know, it, it might you know, better be better to have money on the side to kind of take care, of, take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, true, for sure. And I know, like, uh, you know, talking with some of the portfolio managers, they've been taking advantage of those uh, valuations, those drop in valuations, because in behind the scenes, which I think a lot of the viewers don't realize that like, you have your portfolio, obviously, but in behind the scenes of what you've actually purchased in a pool or a fund or whatnot, the portfolio manager is doing a lot in terms of, of repositioning the portfolio. Um, they're selling positions that they've made money on. They're buying uh, things that are of good value that they've been watching and they've studied. Um, they're trying to determine, you know, what is the next best thing, and and they're they're really trying to position for for what's to come. And and I think that's that's the key component. 
Yeah, it really just comes down to your comfort level. You need to be invested in a portfolio of investments that you're comfortable with. So that way, you know, you, you're comfortable. How else to say it? You know, yeah. With those ups and downs that you're getting. I think it's tough though, because even in a year like this, you know, when you look at the broad numbers across the board, that generally balanced clients are down about 15 to 20% this year. Which is right? the number usually here. Of. Yeah, that's right. Because you think 60%, 50, 60% of their portfolios and equities, well, equities are only down about five to 10% more than bonds are down. Right. And if you're in a global bond portfolio, then they're down even more than the US and Canadian bonds are down closer to 15%. Right. So for investors that have been used to in poor markets, only going down maybe five, six, maybe single digits, this is a bit of a shock to the system. And, and it's definitely um, you know, hurting potentially for th those who are retired and drawing incomes. It was not a good year for drawing incomes. Um, and I think that's where there's a big need now in sort of the uh, investment space to look for alternatives, right? I think that's one of the biggest things now is, uh, you know, we haven't seen fixed income and bonds as a general uh, have a year like they've had this year, right? It's been uh, an anomaly, you could say, but is it a sign that this could happen again down the road, right? Like, is this something that we might see again, or is this a one-off? We don't know. And, and coming out of this, because the Bank of Canada has had to rush, there's so much volatility in what should be a relatively stable um, industry or a stable sector, right? So I think right now there's that big need to search for alternatives. And I think alternative investments have been around for a number of years, but certainly in a year like like 2022, uh, it, it's important um, that you know the, those types of investments, you know, they they are negatively correlated to the government or or, or to the markets, I should say, or or not correlated at all. Mm -hmm. That those private type investments, similar to the one that we have, so it's it's um, it, it certainly is is uh, an asset class that I know for ourselves, you know, we're we're always uh, looking at, um, and and certainly um, have some benefit in these types of markets and stuff. So um, it's just being able to access them, I think is, is the key thing. It almost seems like September was the worst month. Looking back at some of the client portfolios, it seems like, you know, a lot of the portfolios were down, you know, two, 3% just for the month. Um, so I think a lot of things kind of came to a head at that point in time with, with the central banks kind of really trying to buckle down in terms of, of interest rates. I think the, the shutdown in China didn't help, mm -hmm. right? Like, the you know, with their increase in, in their COVID rates and stuff where they actually shut down. And now we're starting to hear that they're starting to open up again, which is good, good news for, for supply chains. But, um, and certainly the, you know, and it comes, it keeps coming back to this is, is, is the uncertainty with the, uh, with the war in, uh, in the Ukraine, right? Yeah, a war that they thought was just going to be this short blip. It's yeah. It's been, we don't know when it's going to end, so. Yeah. yeah. It'll yeah. likely hit its year mark because, you know, there's likely not because of the climate, not going to be much that happens over, over the winter break, unless they can come to some sort of agreement. But, um, you know, that like, and when we talk about alternative, I think it's more so focusing on alternative strategies, right, to, to on how you can manage this market, right? You, you know, I think a, a lot of, too of the rise of sort of that 
passive uh, investing, right? That, you know, um, you, this is your risk tolerance and you're invested in the the bond index and the S&P 500 index. 64. And then from yeah. there, like a lot of those clients are probably realizing this is not what I signed up for, right? This year, right? So a lot of balanced funds, right? It's been a very, very difficult year. And I think heading into 2023, when we look ahead, that's going to continue to be a theme because I think until inflation gets under control, we're still in a high interest rate environment. There's going to be the need for that active, those strategies to really, really help you navigate and manage these um, current economic times. And we, we, we had a nice glimpse of that too with uh, both Josh and, and Larry on the podcast this year in terms of their option strategy. And, and that, again, is an alternative strategy uh, that they engage in. And, uh, and honestly, you know, we look at some of the numbers here that are coming out from some of those strategies, and they seem to be very positive on the year when the rest mm -hmm. of everything else, as we said, has been negative. So um, moving forward, you know, ultimately, um, you know, if 2023 is uh, still sort of heading in, in this type of volat volatile market, um, a look at those types of strategies makes sense. Yeah, I think one important um, sector to sort of touch on too would be the real estate sector. And I know from a standpoint of uh, interest rates, this is hurting a lot of people. Um, you know, who may have bought uh, homes in the last couple of years, who may be uh, locked into a five-year variable rate, um, you know, and different things like that. So uh, you may be paying a significant portion more for your mortgage. Uh, home prices are dropping. I, I think a few um, major players in the industry have recently come out and said it's officially a buyer's market, um, which, you know, when you think about earlier, even just earlier this year, the bidding wars that were going on for homes back in February was astronomical, right? And so um, it's definitely a, an industry that is going to go through a bit of a corrective cycle and seems to lag generally the, the stock market and in, in sort of its correction. When you look at the interest rates, it takes some time for all of that to put into effect. So I think that's going to be a theme as we watch that sort of rotation into the new year. Well, and this is it, like, you know, if the central banks, you know, need to control inflation, which is their goal, is to control their objective. Uh, how do they do that? Well, they have to hike interest rates and interest rates have like a cascading effect across businesses, across uh, people's wallet share, you know, housing, because housing prices were crazy and mortgage mortgage amounts. So you almost need to, you know, and I say this word, you know, push us into a recessionary period in order to control inflation. And, and that's where the central banks have, you know, an interesting sort of challenge in trying to balance that interest rate without necessarily hitting recession or just kind of tapping into recession, hitting a like a, a soft recession, you know, and and I don't know how they define soft recession to a to a hard uh, recession. If you lose your job, you lose your job, right? Like this is it. And now we're starting to see the job losses, yeah. so that's starting to take effect, and quite likely we're going to have more of that in in twenty twenty three, at least for the start of it. 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think we're on track, you know, the Bank of Canada just hiked their interest rate a couple weeks ago to 4.25 as the overnight lending. And it kind of feels like we're going to be in a bit of a holding pattern as we enter the new year, a little bit of a wait and see. But the fear with that is we were waiting and seeing what would happen earlier this year and then look what happened, right? So there needs to be some sort of action and, and just, as you said, Joe, put their foot down and say, we need to get this thing under control. And because if you tippy toe around the situation too much, it's going to make the whole situation worse in the long yeah, run. Yeah, because it just, again, comes down to the emotions. And if you're tippy toeing, people don't know where, don't have a firm place to stand, really. Yeah, they almost kind of want to like again, like they're they, it it it's it's not it's it's a science, right? So this is not you know exact, and it's not an exact science. So they are kind of playing around with this and saying, okay, well, if we even if we talk and in, in uh, about interest rate increases, this is goes back to my very first point. They don't have to necessarily put in interest rates higher. They just have to talk about it. And a lot of the analysts they look detail by detail into the actual speech that comes from the central banks and, and the tone. They talk about the tone of the central banks, you know, just to kind of get an idea as to what are their intentions. And that drives markets too, all that emotion. Yeah. And even if we have a recession, they don't call a recession until after it's passed. It's not something we'll say, oh, hey, we're in a recession right now. It's going to be months out that they'll say, oh, yeah, back then we were in a recession. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So they'll uh, go ahead, Joe. Well, we'll see how it's, things kind of turn into 2023 as we kind of roll over. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think uh, ultimately for our listeners, we we hope that you'll continue to enjoy, you know, listening to our podcast as we as we move into 2023. I'm sure it's going to be an exciting 2023 just to kind of watch it unfold um, again in terms of how this market and the pressures with, again, inflation, interest rates, the war in Ukraine, the China shutdown. And of course, don't forget COVID. We haven't put that away yet. So like, uh, so there's, there's lots, lots to come. Yeah. Yeah, no. And thank you everyone for listening. And we really do uh, wish everyone a happy holidays. Merry Christmas that uh, you enjoy your time with family and friends uh, through this holiday season and uh, a healthy and happy and prosperous 2023. And we'll be back with season four, episode one in the new year. Happy holidays. KLT Wealth Management is a registered trade name of Quintessence Wealth, a registered portfolio manager in Alberta, British Columbia, Manitoba, New Brunswick, Newfoundland and Labrador, Nova Scotia, Ontario, Prince Edward Island, Quebec, and Saskatchewan, an investment fund manager in Newfoundland and Labrador, Ontario, Quebec, and an exempt market dealer in Alberta, British Columbia, Manitoba, New Brunswick, Newfoundland and Labrador, Nova Scotia, Ontario, Quebec, and Saskatchewan. The Ontario's Security Commission, OSC, is the principal regulator for quintessence wealth. The information presented comes from sources believed to be reliable, but we cannot guarantee its accuracy or reliability. The opinions expressed are based on an analysis and interpretation dating from the date of recording and are subject to change without notice. Furthermore, they should not be considered investment advice or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell securities or investment products. The information contained herein is for educational purposes only. Thank <laughs> you.